Hello and welcome to the XY podcast where, you know, me and Christos um, talk about loads of different issues. Currently, we're doing a series on toxic relationships and today Christos will be uh, given a bit of an insight of what it's, what it's like to be a close friend of someone who's going through a toxic relationship. Um, we'll be watching a short clip during this episode or listening to a, a short clip during this episode as well. Um, where Alex Skill, I don't know if anyone's heard the name. Um, before I told you, Christos, actually, did you know about him? Or... I didn't know, no. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, I actually watched uh, his documentary and he was uh, a victim of an incredibly horrific sort of relationship um, where I guess you would say it started off toxic, it then became incredibly abusive. And it ended with him, you know, 10 days from death. Uh, the police found him sort of in the nick of time. And uh, they found him, yeah, they found him in a really uh, sort of horrible state. I think he had stab wounds, uh, burn wounds from where, you know, boiling water had been had been poured on him. Um, and although, obviously, you know, in my case, it was nowhere near. I, I mean, I think there are degrees to this, I, I think my my sort of situation was nowhere near as bad as that uh simply i think you know because of sort of timings um you know he'd been going out with well i think i think he was married to her actually he'd been going out with that girl for about six or seven years um right Mm. but yeah i think the first first thing that i I thought we could discuss was yeah um during the during the during the entirety of of that relationship would you say you saw much sort of change I guess in me as a person change yeah I definitely did see change I I saw change in not just your like political views or like some of those external kind of interests but even even just your you know some of the big decisions you make in life and some of the big stances you know people have and like you know people for a long time and you know especially people with strong personalities you know like kind of they believe strongly in something. I saw those begin to change and like kind of very tectonic shifts. Now, obviously me being very ignorant and naive, like, you know, I just thought, okay, people were changing, like, views change. But I, I look back and I realized that they were quite, they were a bit more tectonic than maybe like I, they should have raised a few red flags to me in that way. But um, yeah, I definitely did see some changes there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Cause I, I guess I have always been like a very stubborn sort of person. <laughs> yeah. In, in a good way, always, you know, it's, it's, it has yeah. many advantages. But I definitely saw some of that, like what I thought were very stubborn stand, like uh, standing points, really begin to change in in a very yeah. strange. I don't know what, what, what do you do you feel? Like, obviously, you being yourself, like you probably yeah. some of those changes very much. I, I think, mm. yeah, I think I, I, I told you this um, for a very long time that there was a certain place I wanted to live. It was like in the countryside, whatever. It was yeah. always going to be in England, you know. Yeah. Um, cool even though according to ancestry DNA, I'm only, I'm only, you know, 63% English, but you know, it's, it's, it's all good. Uh, I'd always wanted, I'd, I'd always had a very predefined, like I'd, I'd already had, I, I've, I've always had, I guess, a really defined list of things that I wanted sort of from life, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That's in terms yeah. of job, that's in terms of location. Yeah. Career wise. Yeah. Mm. I agree with you. Cause I remember that time, uh, in, high beach where yeah. where uh I, I was sort of telling you all these new plans and all these new things 
And I think you said in the past, like you found that like as a real shock because my whole um, everything that I'd always wanted for years and years had almost changed in a matter of months to something completely different. Yeah, um, with conviction. And and like, I think, you know, maybe, you know, I, I suppose I was shocked. Maybe I was shocked and I was like, OK, is this is this what it's like when a, when a relationship progresses? Just do things just change all of a sudden? Like, I didn't know. Maybe maybe that's what it was like. And I, I suppose I sat there. I, I don't know. Obviously, one of my problems is. I don't know, maybe I'm like, I'm not confrontational enough, like, especially to close friends where, where you should be a bit more kind of questioning in terms of what happens. But I suppose I was just like kind of passively sitting there listening, like intrigued by it. But looking back, it, it's weird, isn't it? How, how something that's, you know, you thought was so anchored in you, in your future changed so fast. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very scary to think how, I don't know, how, um, I don't know, unstable some of those decisions can really be when, when in such a relationship. Yeah, I definitely think as well, like, in terms of timings, like that little amount of time into a relationship for 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 things such as like oh where are we going to live and stuff yeah um, that's like quite advanced for you know a few months in and yeah it's not necessarily toxic in itself but I think what you saw sort of from the outside was very much it was basically it was like I'd gone from again wanting to live in England sort of close-ish I guess mm. like to my family and things like that and yeah it changed basically moving to like another country <laughs> and um yeah and yeah I definitely did think at the time even though I think it came across that I had a lot of like conviction I can tell there's a lot of arguments about that and um I was at, at the beginning I was very much against the idea and I sort of got eroded down and and um yeah sort of my my sort of standing got eroded eroded down so much that in the end I was just sort of all on board for the idea I guess and if you're in a relationship and every time you have like an argument or disagreement you're the one who's always in the wrong that's definitely a big sign of a toxic relationship because we all have differing opinions and if you're always walking out of disagreements again feeling like the one who is in the wrong the one who's not made sort of not made the right decision if you're never in the right that's definitely something to be looking at quite deeply yeah. I think. and something else something else I want to note is <clears throat> when I, I think like we did discuss some of the reasoning behind it because I don't know we, I, I was quite shocked with it and I remember asking like you know did, did was it quite a difficult decision and I think one thing you said is like what won you over and like the arguments that were being put against mm. your initial concerns were like these promises of the future, these promises of what the yes. future would look like yeah. and promises she would make in terms of, oh, you know, I'd do this for you and like, I'd be yeah. like, you know, looking after you in this way. And I, I suppose... I never got my return. Never yeah. got. <laughs> Almost, like, it feels like kind of a, yeah. a deceiving kind of stance to take. It's, and uh, so that's, that's yeah. an interesting one, like kind of what what really is being used to sway you to, to that position? Um, you know, it's like, is it is it false promises? I don't know. It was it was mainly sort of I, I guess it was uh I, I don't have the best understanding of gaslighting, but I guess it was gaslighted right, okay. in a way because yeah. I was presenting serious concerns about this sort of plan. I was I was I was trying to get across that no, like what and then she, you know, she wanted her family to live right next door and I, I was sort of like, Well, okay, I get that. But I don't want to just be like cut off from my family. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I don't, what about my friends? My friends mean a lot to me. I'm going to literally have to yeah. get a plane or a ferry to, to just go and see my friends again. 
And mm. she would say things like, oh, what about me? Like, surely all you need is me. Like, you can be part of that, my yeah. family. Like, mm. surely all you need is me. Why do you need anything more? I should be, a, I should be your everything. And I, I was just like, okay, okay. Yeah. And I couldn't really respond to that because as soon as I would come up with sort of a, um, sort of comebacks and, and arguments against that, she would just say, oh, you're not committed to me. Do you, do you not love me? And like, yeah. that is such so much like emotional manipulation i guess yeah yeah uh, going on there <clears throat> and it's a really powerful point because i don't know i suppose especially for people that have friends and maybe their friends are the first ones to kind of have a proper relationship and they don't really know what to expect and like their friends don't really know what are the standards what do you expect in a relationship i don't know it's interesting to think i don't know what i don't know what is what is, what extent does that relationship take over your life and i suppose in my position I kind of was thinking, like, okay, so you're, you're going to be moving away. Like we, you know, our friendship groups, we're not going to be able to have the same kind of meetups we've enjoyed in the last few years, that kind of thing. I thought, okay, maybe that's just what happens in life. Maybe that's just what progresses. But I think one thing talking to you, like, you know, since then and really kind of deepening my understanding of what a relationship should be is I suppose it's, it's not supposed to be like absolutely everything. And it's not supposed to suck away like the rest of your like friendships and relationships is because otherwise it just becomes overburdened anyway. And it probably collapses because of that, because there's so much pressure um, on it. And I suppose like for people that are seeing their friends, you know, it's probably quite important to, to realize, you know, what is a healthy relationship? It's not one that is very obsessive and very um, overburdened and focused, laser focus on just that. And then like kind of ignores every other avenue of friendship and every other avenue um, of relationship that happened before that <clears throat> definitely um i would go so far as to say if you if you feel like to keep the relationship going you have to see that person all the time every single day mm. um that in a way can it can come across as extremely obsessive i guess and um yeah it comes across as like obsessive and like you should really question why why do I need to see and talk to this person all the time? Because mm. there's certainly times um, when I remember I, I'd, I'd meet up with either you um, and, and you know, a lot of our other friends from sort of sixth form. Yeah. Um, mm. And yeah, I would be, she would, uh, she would sort of get really angry because I didn't text her the whole time. And I would say, well, I'm, I'm with my friends. I can't, I can't just be on my phone all the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm there to see them. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to come across as rude she would say you've been out for like three or four hours now I've not even had one text and things like that and and that's weird that's really weird so there were many times Christos to be to be honest where we were probably on a bike ride or something and my phone would be in my pocket and it would be pinging and pinging or oh, oh, well, my silence are on but but it would be it would be getting yeah, overloaded yeah. with stacks and stacks of notifications and for me um I know there was a time when you know we were all meeting up quite a lot and I I was arranging those meetings. I think uh, I was I was trying to arrange those meetups as much as possible because for me it was like a mini escape. It was like the time that's crazy like outside of the house. And yeah. When at least I I knew that if I'd I knew that as soon as I got back in, I'd get all the same arguments and and everything. But like at least for those few hours, it's like reprieve. Yeah, that's yeah. so tough. And you know, I, I remember when we used to try and schedule stuff, and <clears throat> I think there was there was always a certain time of day. I think it was the afternoon, like you'd be able to do. And then when like towards the end of it, you say, "Oh yeah, okay, I think I need to be back by half seven, like you know, for dinner and that yeah. kind of thing." And yeah. I don't think yet, yeah, like there was almost I could feel like there was you had this pressure. You didn't like you couldn't say, "Oh, it's because I need to be back for her. I need to be back for a call with her." It's always like you said, "Okay, you know, I need to be back. My mum's cooking dinner or something like that." And I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah. that's legitimate." I, I never questioned it twice, and I suppose 
um you used to tell me like the kind of the schedules that were imposed upon you yeah. and like the kind of burdens yeah. that were imposed upon you i suppose yeah. it's it's important to realize that you oh know, yeah that that's it wasn't else, natural yeah, wasn't it? so yeah that's something i didn't mention in the previous sort of monologue yeah. I, I guess i sort of did yeah um yeah so there was actually a it, it sort of came out of good intentions effectively i was it was in the holidays i was staying up until sort of 4 a.m 5 a.m and she was like this isn't good you need a better sleep routine i was like okay fair enough so effectively she made a timetable that we stuck to every day and it was literally we stuck to it sort of hour by hour and um but it was it was it was a very strange one because yeah if i missed something even by like 10 minutes again that would cause another argument and she would question why i'm being late um she would how did you feel about that really bad how how did you feel did you feel like kind of pressure did you feel like you let her down was that the kind of perspective she imposed upon you or like yeah what position were you in many times when she would say oh you're not the boyfriend you were like four months ago and stuff and i'm just like i literally was just 10 minutes late to the next like session or whatever or you know the exercise and actually that's something as well um we did a lot of like exercise together so a lot of like that was in the routine and yeah it was a weird relationship that was very much based on like i don't know like very superficial things and um that's really yeah it's just just really weird so like i like i said before like it was literally six to ten hours a day uh <laughs> which is a lot and yeah like it's just a bit weird isn't it having that routine i didn't even think yeah, about that one that it's really interesting and like i suppose for someone that's in say in that relationship or like a friend that's in the relationship what would you say is are the expectations especially if this their kind of first proper relationship what expectations should they i don't know really kind of assume in that like is is there the expectation so sort of a that, friend looking in yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah like what because i don't know for, for a friend looking in if if they hear their friend complaining oh you know i kind of get a bit of blame like i'm not on time yeah. or i'm not responding enough i'm not texting enough definitely like, definitely look into it it's very yeah. subtle it's very subtle because on instagram i guess everyone was just seeing oh look look you know they're meeting up again or whatever mm. everything must be going fine and i know like i know I've, I've, there's certain people who've been like you know I, they they used to get sometimes a bit envious because they'll be like oh i wish i yeah. had someone things like that um yeah. but in reality most of the pictures that I posted of us were me trying to sort of get back in her good books after an argument. Like, it was, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was um, completely opposite to what you would expect. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I suppose. Would you say, um, it, it, like Instagram and kind of social media? I suppose that's that's never a judge. You should never use that as a judge to how well a relationship is going. In fact, it can sometimes be the opposite. It can indicate like really big red flags that could be going yeah. on. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. And and um. What I would say, though, is for a friend looking in, um, the signs will be very subtle. But yeah, if if you notice that, for example, if you notice, for example, someone, one of your friends just got into a relationship and yeah, like Christos was saying, when you meet up, they they always have to they always have to leave a bit earlier than they would. Or they say things like, yeah. oh, I have to get home, you know, um, dinner's on the table, things like that. Things that they never yeah. said before. Yeah, yeah. Like w- when I was in that place, I would never... Like I wasn't allowed to have a negative opinion of of her, so I would I was never gonna say, oh, I have to go back because she's literally texting me and calling me constantly saying that I have to go back. Like I would never. Yeah. There were times as well with 
when I what would happen? I thought it was normal as well in relationship. If if you've got a friend and they're saying that they're they get into a lot of arguments with mm. their um, partner, yeah, that also in itself is a bit of a red flag because in the honeymoon stage, in the first six months, seven months of a relationship, there's there shouldn't be really any arguments. In in all honesty, you haven't really truly got to know that person's character yet. And for me, there's many occasions when um, I would literally count the days we didn't have an argument. Or, That's crazy. Yeah. Um, this is and, just months in. Yeah. Yeah. It was annoying. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And okay, so say you're that friend and you start seeing those very subtle red flags. And obviously there's a risk that maybe like, you know, the big fear that would stop any friend from, I don't know, saying something, especially if I was in that position, I'll go back and like tell myself, okay, you know, there's a few red flags you should look into here. I would say, okay, yeah, but what if that, harms a friendship what if all of a sudden i get like pushed away and and like you know there's no hope at all so so what what would you say in terms of like what discussions can that friend begin to encourage or begin to begin you know start to actually uncover some of those red flags and confirm what might be an issue uh you've got to be very careful because if it's a a relationship that was as um i guess toxic and intense as mine was if you go in too aggressively that friend that friend is probably going to cut you off because again right they'll probably have the their other half sort of in their ear telling them who to be friends with who not to be friends with um, I, see. I know for sure that um again and I, it was the sort of relationship where i felt like i needed to literally tell her everything like literally everything so again it, it, yeah it's just very strange and she would always sort of validate it by saying things like well it's our first relationship so um it's our first like it's both our first like relationship so um you know like this is how it should be like it, right, there okay. is going to be issues and things like that um is it a form of manipulation she was like manipulate yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so you're saying so as that friend it, you know it's, it's a very difficult kind of mission to because so, i think if i was say if I, I always have these visions okay you go back uh, we are at high beach and i would say wait something's not right here why why are you having eight hour calls like why I do you need probably, to go i would probably like shout you down i'm not gonna lie yeah. I'll, I'll probably shout you down i think the way to do it mm. in a lot of cases this is really harsh but in a lot of cases like you you sort of have to let the person understand that like that you have to allow the person to come to that realization themselves and see okay at the same time as well like I think if you are a friend looking in, you have to be very, very gentle with how you do it. You probably should mention something at some point because yeah. you do not want your friend getting to sort of get to the stage that you know Alex got to with with his abusive girlfriend. Yeah. You, you don't want them to get anywhere near to that. And but you need to do it in a way where what you're saying doesn't come across as criticism of them, their other their partner or the relationship. Because if it does, if you're in a toxic relationship, any outside criticism. Um, which actually a lot of the time can be um, can actually be positive critique in a way like yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. are so cute or whatever yeah. like, but you are spending quite a lot of time together like I was just wondering why like that would would have set me off that would have I would probably would have like you know probably would have like ruffled a few feathers I think and, and of course, of course. Um, I think the way to go if you've got a friend and you're noticing these changes and mm. you think their relationship could be toxic and you know they could be the victim of that I think the thing to do is the thing to do is perhaps start off just by asking questions because questions are neutral. See, questions, I see. Um, that's powerful. Yeah, like so maybe just ask things like how much time do you have you spent together? 
or how much how much time are, are you happy with that are you happy about that like no, nothing like attacking or confrontational but just no, like asking just, their opinion yeah, yeah exactly exactly and then what you'd probably start to see is um over time i guess if you sort of slowly ease then start to ease in um words of advice yeah um that that can definitely that can definitely i guess be a way to go that makes um, sense and, yeah, and the whole purpose off, is, yeah. and the, the whole purpose is is helping them come to realization because as you say this is not like yeah. when when they are under attack when they'll they are have to come to that held... realization they yeah. have to come to that realization themselves yeah it's almost like they're being held hostage. Like if you if you try oh, and yeah. take them away, you, you're going to get them killed. Like it, it's well, almost yeah. you, you have to be very careful about it. That makes sense, right? Yeah, okay. that, yeah that's again, pretty powerful. Yeah. Asking questions. Um, I, give, I, yeah, yeah. To to give sort of a, a story of of where someone that I knew did give advice that was then taken really badly was uh, my yeah. mentor, and he said, "You are talking a lot. You're almost talking as much, if not more, as Isn't a married that? couple." Yeah, and and and. I really, I sh- looking back, like I really, really appreciate that advice. I really should have appreciated that advice at the time because I thought the same. I thought the same, but I wasn't allowed to say it. I wasn't al- ever allowed to bring it up because if I ever said, listen, I think we need to talk a bit less, she would go berserk and say, oh, why? Like, do you not, do you not love me anymore? Like, are you not committed to me? Like, why, why, why do you want to talk less? Yeah. That's such a weird thing to suggest. Yeah. Um, and when I brought this to her, yeah, exactly. When I brought this to her, she said, like I said, yeah, she said, cut him out. I hate him. Don't talk to him ever again. Her opinion of him changed in a, in a, in a, in a snap, which again is incredibly unusual and incredibly weird. Mm. She sort of saw anything like outside, I guess, as like a threat. And I think she got really jealous by anyone else who was like trying to input and, and offer advice to the relationship. So <clears throat> I, I really do feel like she was the sort of person that she was the sort of person that like if there's a, if there's a big problem, she, she like her character i don't think she ever changed i think there are certain toxic people out there who yeah. it's incredibly difficult for them to change because they're so stuck in their ways and they're so um they they're so narcissistic that it's their way or no way if you see mm. what i mean so no matter what advice i'd brought forward it would not have been yeah. taken on board at all um, that makes sense and so yeah. i suppose from from the perspective of someone looking in like as you said firstly you, you say there are there are probably um, very subtle things that were act as red flags and being like those red flags are very hard to detect unless you unless you're aware of them unless you've actively seen them before and you recognize them as a parallel and mm. the second thing once you spot those you have to like kind of ask questions help them come to realization that maybe they're in a place that's very dangerous for them. but but i suppose the other thing you're saying there is that it's not just like um i suppose from a friend's perspective and especially that like when you tell them and maybe you start c- helping them come to the conclusion they might say oh no but they might change maybe they'll realize that it's too much time maybe they'll stop i think like especially you know afterwards and towards the end you, you kind of you, you were that you had that like she manipulated you so much to have that immune system in your mind to think okay no like nothing sh- she's done wrong she hasn't done anything wrong like she can change there is yeah, still hope i would there. always feel like the one i would always feel like the one who was who was doing uh doing wrong so for example right right from the start she demanded um sort of certain things and like one of those things as you know like i'm really into sort of like spoken word stuff and and things like that and i would sometimes you know write so i guess that was one of my like love languages um and towards the end i was just getting so burnt out and stressed about the relationship that i just wasn't able to put my head down and and do it and she would question that she would say why have you stopped like you stopped used to do this all the time why have you stopped why have you stopped 
And actually, I was feeling so burnt out because to maintain that level of commitment, to maintain that level, that intensity of commitment was impossible. It was, it was burning me out entirely. Um, and yeah, and, and was, you, you're yeah. saying you you didn't feel like a victim like during that time, or if someone had said no, that, I felt uh, like the perpetrator. I felt like the one who was being, really, yeah, because that's how she made me feel. I, I would never be right. I was never right. And there's times when the time when I was in the time when I was uh, I had that r- really low sort of moment of mental health. Um, she actually convinced me the day after that I was the one in the wrong and that I should never even I should never question her parents. And even though the dog um, was basically breaking into the front room you know about to bite me and and like in it on a very serious note if that dog had got in um yeah it probably would have gone for the it probably would have tried to you know bite um because of how t- territorial it was i had mm. gone i had questioned her about it and she like i said again the day after she was literally she literally sort of somehow persuaded me and convinced me that actually i was in the wrong i should never have sent that even though that was a moment that was a, the sort of moment of deepest sort of mm. um sadness and mental health where i really needed support and yeah um yeah mm-hmm. i was always the wrong i was always i was always the loser the one who got who who got things wrong the one i was the one who always made mistakes in a way if you see what i mean that's really interesting did, did you ever like admit that to anyone say so when you said to your mentor you talked about it to oh them. no no okay so this this was a very private because I, I remember once we were in high beach and i think you said like as a very side comment like you know couples we get into arguments don't we you know it was a nice time like you know that it was something like that and i suppose that was in the in a very deep sense like it was a crowd for help wasn't it It was a crowd for like kind of something's not right here but but you're saying like if you were pushed you would never i don't know that wouldn't have been something you would have exposed that feeling that that real kind of emotional like depth and uh, you know i don't know the the point of being an emotion and a victim there and, and like kind of not even realizing you're the victim because you've been so manipulated that mm. you think you're the perpetrator that's it's very deep and so i suppose it can be difficult like to even even when there are the red flags there to even try and dig into them and uncover yeah. what they're trying to reveal um but but i suppose like what, what one thing you're saying is um being i suppose being very open-minded being being very gentle with it because obviously it's a very mm. delicate matter as like maybe once that friend begins to ask questions, maybe you build the trust to be able to expose some more red flags that maybe you don't yeah. even realize like you're exposing. And then that yeah. kind of builds that further trust to kind of, you know, I suppose build a second anchorage away from what is such a manipulative, um, you know, all, all encompassing anchorage that's like destroying you. It's, it's very tough. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't realize you, you, you didn't, you never realize yourself or never saw yourself. I, I would say if you're, yeah, again, if your friend looking in, I'll go with the free C approach, which is, Mm. um which is careful consistent and um what's the last one sort of considerate i guess so with the with the careful that's when you choose to you're careful with when you choose to say things if if your friend is feeling you're getting sort of um defensive vibes whenever you're trying to broach, broach the subject maybe you need to wait a bit or maybe you need to wait for a time when your friend is the one who actually says something about their relationship I'd say the considered approach is where is is more less focused on when you say, but more focused on actually what you're saying to them. So if you know that your friend gets really defensive about their relationship, like I said, maybe you actually don't mention the relationship. Maybe you just say, how's your life going? I mean, like, how are you doing? You know, just approach subject from a more mental health sort of perspective Mm -hmm. and just say, Mm -hmm. how's your mental health at the minute? 
because it's very likely that they will then not associate what you're saying with their relationship and they'll be more likely to open up and maybe right, actually something will slip out that they didn't mean to and you start to gain a bigger in, a better insight into into what they're going through and then the last one of course consistent make sure that even if if you talk to your friend and you feel like it's failed you feel like you're not getting anything you know there's something up in that relationship they've given you little sort of little little sort of hints you know yeah, there's something yeah. up but you just need to keep going keep trying to be consistent keep trying to sort of break through break through that mask that smoke screen and and get to what's actually harming them so yeah like i said the three c's that's careful, powerful considerate and consistent and especially um, the point about consistency like i suppose on, on one day maybe like so, so it is kind of like a battle it's a warfare isn't it you mm. know it, especially that per that person in the relationship that, that's kind of imposing that sort of consistency they're kind of having the upper hand here because they have so many hours with that person. They've got that person under their thumb and they're really kind of isolating and trapping that person. And so for a friend, like you, you're really, you're kind of fighting with no, with no armor, with no kind of weapons. Like yeah. what, what do you have? Yeah. You have a few hours or something like that. So I suppose that consistent approach is like the only way that you mm. have a chance at breaking through that shell on say a day when that person, that person in the relationship has a less strong hold on, on your friend. You know, if you yeah. just ask that question again in a very in a slightly different way, but again, as you said, non-confrontational, not even related to the relationship, but mm. still related to mental health, related to those other things the relationship is badly impacting, you're more likely to eventually, on one one of those days, um, kind of re- like hear something and help your friend reveal something they really need to reveal and they're really burning to yeah. reveal, but they just like can't. They mentally uh, have been, you know, kind of um, trapped into thinking they can't share it with anyone. It's really, really powerful. Three C's, yeah. So a strong approach. I wish I'd heard that <laughs> during those months. No, it's all good. I was just gonna say, um, yeah, like I said before, sorry to interrupt there, but um we what we do have a short clip um that we wanted to sort of air. This is courtesy of Good Morning Britain, and it think it does probably link in to a lot of the things we've been saying. This is um, like I said, courtesy of Good Morning Britain, ITV. Um, this is Alex Skill, who, is, who, as I said, was a victim, um, was a survivor of, of domestic abuse um, and and of a toxic, extremely, extremely toxic relationship. I don't think they really get much more toxic than this. Um, I mean, his, his girlfriend was an absolute um, psycho in a way, and, and she liked to control every aspect of his life. And definitely early on in his relationship, I saw a lot of uh, parallels sort of between his, his and my own. So um, we'll talk about that a bit more, but we are just going to have just some time just to listen through this and then sort of give our thoughts towards the end. I mean, people, you know, we, in this country, we still don't understand domestic violence, whether it's from a man to a woman or, a, in your case, from a woman to a man or same-gender couples. I mean, it happens... In, it's not really a gender issue in, in those senses. You know, the violence and the c- control is hugely damaging wherever it comes from. Can you in some way explain, because I think probably uh, I know that the first thing that people who know nothing about domestic violence have never come across it will say, well, how could you put up with it for that long? You, you know, what people often go, well, hang on, the first time he or she did something, why didn't you leave? And, and that's not a question for me, but I know that that's what people often ask, and you must know that. Children's safety and it was that sort of thing. I didn't know if I was to leave. I've come across so many men that haven't won in the family courts and got the best deal out of it. And that was, to be honest with you, during the time, I never really thought about leaving. It was just 
purely is the next day going to be better than the mm. last and it was survival mode you're mm. just constantly protecting yourself at all times and I never actually thought about it and people have asked like mm. do I think people should know anything before and I genuinely didn't think it was all about just like a boxer in a ring, keep your hands up the whole time. When you, receive, when you receive some of this abuse, I mean, it sounds horrific. Were there moments you actually feared for your own life at that point? Oh, yeah, I was pretty much... I actually genuinely was waiting to just die because I, I just kept hoping that the next day maybe one less hit on the head and, or one less stab or... I didn't get boiling water because if that was the case, it would be a far better day than the day before. Yeah, wow. So, um, like I said, um, he's his experience there. It's very, very difficult. Listen, I think Christos. And um, what if what is even more difficult for such as uh, for for someone such as me watching, yeah. listening to that is that again. I think we were talking earlier in this in this episode. There, there were yeah. It was, it, or we may have discussed this, you know, sort of before yeah. the episode. But but for for. The relationship uh, I was in, there was daily arguments mm. that ended in tears, that ended in um, just both of us, I guess, being distraught. Like there was probably two or three a day at, during the, the the peak season, I guess, of of, of argumentation. Um, and it, although, although, again, I I I, don't, I would never want to disvalue, um, you know, Alex's story there, but from what he was what he was saying about him if there was a day when he didn't get you know abused when he didn't get hit he would have hopes that the next day would be better yeah right I and see. It, this deceptive sort of it's this absolute sense of illusion mm. and and he, you know he was being he was almost being blindfolded i guess from from the reality and i think i felt very similar when again there was arguments and then i'd walk away from them just feeling really low i guess my self-worth as well suffered um self-esteem um, I'd walk away from those arguments just feeling awful. And then if there was a day which went well, I, 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 my whole mind would absolutely change. I'd be like, oh, no, this is like the most perfect thing in the world. Um, you know, it's going yeah. so well. Da, da, da. And, and you really can get lulled into a sense of, uh, yeah, just a sense of sort of d deception, yeah, I guess. right. Um, and would you say you kind of saw, like when you, when you watched that video, I know that really affected you when you first like looked up his story and uncovered it. You did you would you say you saw the trajectory the trajectory of that relationship you were in kind of potentially heading into what Alex like you know was traumatized by what he suffered what his his traumatic experience and like uh, also the volatility like as you said it's not even it's it's just a complete lack of stability it is like bad days like today's people would think of complete nightmares like you know people are so traumatized to even hear about and you saying like just the fact that it could be a little bit better than that day would be an illusion that everything's okay and then like you know it just takes you know that kind of hope that difference and then hope that you know in the future it's going to improve you you could you're saying you could see the trajectory of that relationship getting as bad as alex's maybe or yeah 100 percent. i mean um in the first part of the documentary he actually talks about the different ways in which his 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 girlfriend at the time um, starts to say things about his family and his friends. And, and she says just little comments here and there, nothing, no, there's no physical abuse at this stage. There's no, I guess, really deep rooted emotional abuse. It's more so just her saying little things, which strikes, which, um, you know, strike a nerve. Right. And um, it's little things like, 
oh, you know, your mom, she's really controlling. Why has she done that? Why has she do that? And that was something that um, my ex did, would say to me. She said, your mom's really controlling, um, despite at the start of the relationship saying we should never mention anything about each other's family. Um, she she would, yeah, she, she, she would say things like, oh, your mom's so spiteful and controlling. And again, in, in Alex's case, that's how it started for him. And then it moved on to... Um, more it was more intense yeah, right. and that'll be that'll be a party for example and if alex so much as looked at another girl or went to talk over to one of his friends who was a girl she would get incredibly jealous mm. and i remember a time we were in a coffee shop actually and um i was paying uh sort of just getting the receipt and we walk out and 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 yeah like i said my she she turned to me and she said, "Oh, why were you flirting with the? Why were you flirting with the woman behind the thing? Like she was into you. She was giving you signs. She was really into you. I'm a bit jealous now." And I was just like, "I was literally, literally just handed me the money. I didn't even really see her face. I didn't really see the receptionist's face. Even like there was no interaction." There. <laughs> um, wow. And yeah. also, yeah, and also in a, in like an online, in in a, in I guess a, an online capacity, um, there's certainly occasions where i would be having a conversation with one of my friends who is a girl on on instagram yeah. for example just just catching yeah. up you know um and she would log into my account find that and then block the person or or unfollow them or send back a spiteful message and that's very much again how it started with alex um i guess she knew that alex's girlfriend at the time knew that if they had a child together that would be a real, that would be a real coup for her. That would yeah. be a real, yeah. um, it would lock him in. you know, that that would be perfect for her mm. because then he, Binded. of course, is going to want to see his kid. Mm. Yeah. It's another sort of, it's another type of bondage, I yeah. guess. Um, and there was a lot of times when, um, again, my sort of toxic ex would say things like, oh, I really, really want to have kids. I really want your children, things like that. And um I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't know if um, that sort of her attention was similar, but I can definitely see she she was very much trying to rush towards yeah. marriage and rush right. towards that bondage. Any new type mm. of yeah, yeah cool. any cool. new type of sort of bondage where I'd be like I said, I'd be more bond bound um, to her than I was before, I guess. Um, and also, uh, like really interesting yeah. about the messages, right? So. I suppose one of the one of the risks, obviously, initially when they're in a relationship, that relationship, some of those red flags are going to be very subtle, and it's going to be very rare for a friend to be able to realize that. Unless you know, okay, your mentor was like very perceptive in terms of realizing to confront you with those things. And as you said, you've got to be careful. You've got to be very gentle with it. But I suppose there's a risk that sometimes even like that friend's source of I don't know information becomes distorted because all of a sudden the the means by which they're contacting their friend to meet up or to communicate some of these issues are actually being, I don't know, censored by the, by the person in that toxic relationship, by, oh, for sure. by the perpetrator. And I suppose like, you know, I think with Alex's case, you know, some of his family, his granddad was trying to reach out to him and the, the, the girlfriend, like, or what would be his wife then was, was actually replying on behalf of Alex and he didn't even know. Yeah. And that is so yeah. scary. Cause yeah. then like what, what kind of yeah. transparent source of like help is there? What transparent source of mm. hope or like helpline yeah. is going to get to them? Um, and if, I think yeah. I remember that bit. It was I think he he was trying to reach out to him on Facebook, literally just saying, 
I understand if you don't want to speak. It was devastating watching that. It was it was hor- her- it was horrific. Yeah. But um, he was trying to send messages to him on Facebook, basically just saying, "Look, you know, we know you don't want to be see us or be with us. That's fine. But you know, we love you and we're here for you and we hope you're doing well." And then Alex's girlfriend replied with something horrible, like, "You're you're really spiteful people. You ruined my life." I never want to see you again. And and she was taking his phone. She has full control of his phone. Um, and yeah, uh, to give another occasion, there was a time I mentioned in, in the previous episode when I sort of um, just sort of re- relay and, and go through my experiences um, where she sort of broke off one of my, uh, well, I, I sort of ended a friendship at the time. Um, luckily, you know, we are, we are, we are friends now. We have sort of re- reunited, but um yeah when that was happening um my my really close friend was like no luke like there's something going on here like we need to meet up in person we need to talk about this in person because on text it's not it's it's yeah and yeah in all honesty she actually wrote the the text basically that i sent to him she sort of went through it read it and stuff and that's scary yeah so even again again very yeah there's a parallel there there's a parallel i suppose what is the solution then Uh, i mean I suppose, would you say that that's where those three C's come in? That like kind of stopping people from getting into toxic relationships, I would say is the solution because you've got mm-hmm. a very short, small window, maybe even a matter of weeks, days in some cases. You've got a very small window at the start of a relationship, if you're going into one, to think to yourself, to, 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 you can see the signs. They're very subtle, but you do have to look for them. That makes um, sense. It's like panning for, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like panning for gold, I guess, in a very ironic, twisted mm. sort of, oxymoronic way um because when you're panning for gold you can't initially see the gold you do have to put in a bit of work you do have to dig you do have to yeah be patient yeah. in a weird kind of way um I suppose... but, oh, mm. yeah i was just gonna say if, if someone's truly truly toxic they will show off signs quite early so for me the three biggest signs were she didn't have any she didn't have any friends that that's a sign because sure of course maybe she got really badly bullied and and maybe she finds it difficult to form connection like platonic connections with people but at the same time that should raise questions and you should probably ask why because a lot of the time people who are really toxic and bitter and unforgiving they're the reason they don't have any friends they choose not to um secondly uh, the, the second big one was that i was always the one very early on who was traveling and so i would always pay for train tickets and that sort of thing and I would always be the one traveling. On some occasions, I'd, it would be a three-hour trip, and I'd be taking four or five trains, um, stopping off at different locations. I would have to, um, you know, get off and wait for the next train. Sometimes they didn't come. It was incredibly stressful. And I would have to get up at 4.30 a.m., really? <laughs> you know, to, to, to get there in time. So I was traveling about six hours a day, seven hours a day. And she had convinced me that that was normal. That's what a boyfriend should do. The man should be the one to always travel. Um which is a horrific yeah. generalization yeah. and social construct. It's not true. Uh, I think in a relationship, both parties yeah. should travel. And, and if you really, truly love that person and, and care for them, you will sacrifice things as well, even if it's uncomfortable for you. Um, I, the, the, again, so that was the second one. The third one, again, was this, was, very early on, was this example um, of, of, of my friend. So she didn't want me to meet up with him in person because she said that he's he's a psycho he'll hit you he'll try and kill you again if you're hearing really outlandish unabased claims with no evidence behind them um about other people which are coming across as really spiteful that's a red flag so 
there were definitely big red flags at the beginning, but the the manipulation started before almost before we were going out really it started um straight away um and i didn't take the window i didn't i didn't take the window of opportunity that i should have taken to get out that's, that. that's really interesting as well I, like i didn't realize that the existence of that kind of um spectrum as much as whereas yeah okay so i like i obviously i i saw how naive i was in that like kind of friendship and in you know some of those months not seeing any or not not acting on any red flags i just thought that was normal but then also it seems like there's the other spectrum where you, you did have people very close that realized something was wrong and they would try and like kind of yeah. c- confront you on that and i like it just shows it, it's not, there's no kind of simple game plan. There's no simple strategy. Cause when someone, mm. if you were to tell me in that situation, if I was to tell myself if, like in those months, okay, this is what, what is happening with Luke. I would be furious. You'd want, you just want to like kind of get across to them how insane yeah. this is or what's going on. But very mm. paradoxically, that's not going to help them. And that could actually push them away further and like kind of lose someone that they really need to tell this about. And I suppose it like, it's a very, it, it's almost like a, Un- uh, untangling like a, a bomb is like if you do it wrong it'll explode and it just but it will just completely uh, detonate and i suppose that it's a very delicate op- um, operation as you say and there are, there are probably times um like and progressions where it's not i, I wouldn't say it's like the point of no return i i, I suppose you, you must always have hope that you can help that person and like you, i suppose with that consistency point you should never kind of give up and say they're hopeless they're just like kind of they're in the mind of their own now because obviously they're in a, a position of being a victim. They need that help. They need you to help in any way they can. But there's a very complex and sophisticated way you need to go about it or a very delicate way and considerate way you need to go about it, which I suppose intuitively doesn't really make sense because you just think the, the thing you need to do is be very blase, be very blunt about it and just get them out and get them to their senses as soon as possible. But obviously this is, this is very asymmetric warfare. It's not going to happen like that, it's, which is very tough to accept, I suppose, especially for a friend with, like who might be first experiencing that. It's very tough to accept. Um, yeah, definitely. And the strange thing was, again, it can be incredibly difficult to disentangle what your friend's actually saying and in, in almost in like a possessive um, sort of demonic yeah. manner, um, it can be very difficult to disentangle what the their toxic partner is saying and what they're saying. They're almost like a mouthpiece for their toxic partner's views. And there are definitely times when I personally, deep down, of course, was disgusted at what happened between me and, and that very close friend. But I'd been convinced by, by her that I'd been convinced by... by yeah my sort of toxic partner at the time that it was the right thing and um even though I felt really uncomfortable with that decision when I was telling people about what had happened I I probably sounded like I was fully committed to the things that had gone on and I was behind it um she had a very uh sort of cunning way of making a decision so perhaps to cut someone out for example or to get rid of someone or to get yeah to get rid of someone from from my life but then she painted it and made me made me sort of feel like I was the one making that decision. So, for example, in this case, there were so many times afterwards she would say things like, I never got rid of your friend. You were the one that did that. You made that choice. When in reality, she was constantly pestering me every single day saying, you've give, we, you know, we've, given, we've given him so many chances. We've given him so many chances. You just can't be, you can't be his friend anymore because... You can't be his friend anymore because, you know, he's saying really bad things about us and stuff. And none of it, none of which was true. It was actually entirely the opposite. Um, so again, you're almost 
like I said, a, a slave to them. Yeah. You're almost their messenger in a way. So it can be very difficult to know where what your friend is saying mm-hmm. is actually them and what they're saying is actually their abusive partner speaking through them. Uh, well, yeah. using them as like a vessel almost to just share their views. Which really talks um, Go on. I think mm. something yeah. I, was gonna say, I think something else very interesting is the political yeah. views because you you know at times I was, I was posting some very I looking back very yeah. hateful very um disgusting things and it, her family was a sort of family where I everything was political every discussion was political um for example there was one time we we all met up as as a group and her mum said an incredibly racist and prejudiced slur about a family who were walking quite close to us actually and it made my sister cry because she had a lot of friends who um would have been really deeply offended by that and my mum got really angry my mum got really annoyed um I wasn't there to hear this but yeah those views were being were reflected were being reflected on me I guess and if looking back None of her views changed throughout throughout the relationship, but loads of mine did, away from what I was. So again, you can see that strong pull of sort of that magnetic almost sort of power. It, you really do lose yourself. And I think you saw um sort of first and after relationship, I was a husk of 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 who I you yeah. know, who I used to be, and yeah. I'm still sort of trying to build back up to, yeah. to you know who I was. But I think you definitely saw definitely. that in, in the after relationship. I know we're talking about being in a toxic relationship. E- there's definitely a period after where you're still under that person's control. And I think you definitely saw me, me coming out of that relationship. I literally felt like, well, I literally had, yeah. had nothing. You had to re- rebuild, rebuild that identity. And I'm like, I think you you, you made yeah. a lot of progress in that. Like, you know, um, and obviously there was a lot of suffering that had to go through that. But even, even during that, during that time, I remember noticing like your political views becoming very, very different, very worrying. And I suppose, um, I suppose the, the risk yeah. there, like the, the red flag there is a lack of open-mindedness, isn't it? Because I suppose open-mindedness is a mm-hmm. threat to any toxic relationship. Open-mindedness like really exposes red flags for what they really are. Whereas it's, yeah. it's narrow-mindedness, yeah. it's closed-mindedness that like it, you know, is is the hallmark of manipulation, which then blocks out people yeah. who actually genuinely care about mm-hmm. like someone's. Who, she she was yeah. incredibly it was incredibly unusual. She would go from she would go from saying the N word and she would go from saying really disgusting things and i'll just be sitting there and again i'm sh- I'm ashamed of myself for not standing up at the time but i was so much under her control that i thought that if i ever spoke against her or anything yeah. her dad said um that i was entirely mm. in the wrong um she, yeah she'd go from saying things like that she'd go from saying things like uh, black people have lower iqs and things like that really disgusting um really really disgusting things and then she would say in the next sentence oh, but I raised money for an African child or something. Or she would say something like, oh, well, there's this old lady at church who's from um, Nigeria, for example, and I'm really good friends with her. Really, like, just, it just mm. didn't make any sense. She was almost, she was almost so... But but a lot of her politics and politi- political views came from a place of spite. Yeah. It was very much mm. us versus them. It was, like, very anti anyone from, like anyone from thing from uh, away from england or away from um you know western like I, I, it was just really weird it was like like i yeah. said very spiteful mm. very angry very bitter and it definitely was starting to 
uh, flow yeah. out sort of into me. And I definitely offend, I know that I offended a lot of people through what I was posting. And thank, thankfully, when the relationship was over, I messaged them, got back in touch, and they were all so understanding, so lovely about it. And they, they fully understood. Um, but yeah, it was really, um, yeah, it, it's just mm. a really strange experience because I was posting stuff, thinking about being like, maybe that's too far. And if, I've, if I ever tried to bring it up with her and, and go against her opinion, she would then say that I was going against her, going against her dad. She would accuse me of um, basically, again, just um, not being committed and not being a good boyfriend and things like that. And there's actually one time when I was on a joint video call with her and um, another really close friend. And um, he said he, he had a political opinion that disagreed with hers. She went ballistic. She went absolutely really on a joint call. Ballistic. And it, yeah, it's almost cult like. It's it was almost cult like. It was like if you don't just dis- if you don't agree with us, then we hate you. You're disgusting human. <laughs> you know we hate you. And um, <laughs> there was a few times. There was one time when I questioned something her dad said because what the, the thing her dad said. Um, funnily enough, he's actually a senior political lecturer. Obviously, I'm not going to mention the uni or whatever, but senior uh, senior political lecturer. So this guy's teaching students. Okay. And he would say things like, he would say things like, oh, I was walking into work today and there was a bunch of Somali immigrants just outside lounging around. That's all they ever do. They just lounge around. They don't do anything. They just smoke weed. And I was, me, me and my dad were sitting in the room like, what? Where did this, where did this come from? This guy is teaching our generation. I think that's very yeah. worrying. Yeah. Um, and all of her political views filtered down from her dad. And again, if I ever disagreed with anything, it was the worst ever thing. Her dad was always right, always right. He was never wrong. It was an almost godlike sort of worship. And I think that's where all of this control and toxicity came down from. It almost filtered down. I'm not trying, I would never take away any of her individual responsibility because she made choices and she was a very spiteful individual. But at the same time, I think this has all started from higher up. So it's very important that you treat people right you treat people in a loving and caring way because if you're not careful, they can be harmed to the point that they actually then go and really badly harm other people. Yeah, um, it's very, it's very tough. I suppose you raising an important point. And I've watched a few videos really linked to that recently. And, you know, I suppose in, in, in many ways, you know, obviously yeah. we, we can't really judge someone's situation. We can't judge their behavior. We, we don't know, um, yeah. you know, like toxicity is very, is very much a ripple. Um, and and almost a disease that's like kind mm. of caught off other people's toxicity. The danger is there that that yeah. person, that victim yeah. in that relationship, because you know that that friend, they, you know, their, their friend who's become the victim in that, really they've become at risk of of almost catching you know th- this like this infection, which which really kind of changes them yeah. in a permanent way and in a reversible way, and in almost a way which like prevents you from being able to reach out to them anymore. And I suppose that's, that just exemplifies the criticality yeah. of this situation and, and that criticality of, of like catching yeah. it early and preventing it rather than trying to solve something that can become so endemically yeah. serious yeah. In, in, in that person, I suppose. Cause, cause as you say, like, you know, we are all yeah. liable to becoming manipulated like that, to becoming mm. toxic in that way. And then to, yeah. to causing, to imposing that toxicity on others around us. Like, it's, it's a very sad, yeah. Um, yeah. like it's a very troubling reality to accept. But as you say that, that just, yeah, that just mm. highlights the importance of trying to get that person out of that and um, trying to p- prevent them from being harmed in, in, in what can be such a, a demoralizing way.
Sorry, sorry to um, butt in there, Christos, but there is an hour limit oh, right. on the recording time. <laughs> so, minute, wow. We will, we will have to wrap up. No, we will have to wrap up very soon. It's, it's, it's annoying, you know. It's good that we're doing a series on this because I think there's yeah. so much more we can talk about. Um, but yeah, we hope for for anyone listening there. I'm sorry that we, you know, finished quite quite abruptly, but there was a lot to unpack there. If you are a friend of someone you think they're going through something, please remember the three C's: um, considerate, careful and consistent um, we hope this has helped please share with family and friends if you think it's needed and we hope you enjoy um, the period of time for our next episode and we hope you join us again then um, so thank you Luke. thank you christos um, for the input there and yeah we'll see you in we'll yep. see you in the next episode Bye.